Hi, everyone. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to take a moment to address the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. Abortion is a basic healthcare need for the millions of people who become pregnant. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, access to safe medical abortions shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. You can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortions.com. That's the number four. If you or someone you know needs help, or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to stand against abortion restrictions. Three, Abortion.cafe has information about where to find clinics. Four, PlanCPills.org provides early at-home abortion pills that you can keep in your medicine cabinet. And five, Choice.crd.co has a collection of these resources and more. I encourage you to speak up. Take care and spread the word. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Reality Is. As always, it's newer. Um, I'm sorry that this episode is delayed, you guys. I apologize because... I had technical difficulties. My computer decided to stop working, so I wasn't able to record when I usually record. But um, that did give me a lot of time to uh, think through my feelings about the episodes on uh, The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Real Housewives of Dubai episodes that we watched the last two weeks. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, you know, I I want to start with Dubai first because... Because I feel like, one, I feel like not a lot of people are watching it. And, you know, I feel like the people who listen to this podcast mostly do, which is nice. Um, I feel like a lot of people aren't watching it for many, many reasons. But one of those reasons is definitely because they feel like, um, they feel like it's, you know, not a franchise they want to support because of the problematic things that happen in the Middle East. But on that topic, I had a listener um, from my Patreon, um, named Katya Campbell. And she is, she sent me a really, really great question. So we have a tier on our Patreon where you can post, uh, questions and we can answer it. And I still say we, because I still very much feel like Arthi is with me every day. Um, and occasionally she does join, but I know it's just me for now, but I love answering some of the questions because I feel like I feel like then it gives me a chance to figure out what it is that's actually on everyone's mind that listens to this podcast. And then, of course, I love when you guys like message us or send us a tweet or anything like that. But I wanted to address this question because it has to do with our houses of Dubai and some of the reasons why some people are not uh, watching it. So this is Katya's question. Um, 
There seems to be an abundance of content creators who either rarely cover Rahasas of Dubai or when they do recap, they are super brief and critical of the show. I love Rahasas of Dubai. I appreciate learning about aspects of the culture and societal structures, even knowing of the possible governmental and geopolitical media constraints involved in production. The diverse cast member, the diverse cast members are fascinating and complex. This hating and debate is beginning to bug the shit out of me. Hearing other podcasters say it's boring or second rate is one thing, but hearing folks assert how problematic it is for Bravo to film there and give a country give a platform to a country known for certain human rights violations is such bullshit bullshit considering our very own USFA, rife with systematic oppression. <laughs> if we follow that stupid ass logic of boycotting filming, we shouldn't have had if we sorry, let me I apparently can't read. If we follow the stupid-ass logic of boycott filming, we shouldn't have any television programs or movies produced in the U.S. until we learn how to not be bigots and oppressive and dickholes. I agree. So here's a question. Do you think I'm overreacting in my irrational... (laughs) Do you think I'm overreacting in my irrational about this? I know you seem to like the show, and you are one of the few I've heard say positive things about the show dynamics. I hate that this is bothering me so much because I can't help to think it is indicative of our own deep ethnocentrism, even among the most liberal of folks. What do you think about the situation? Are you hashtag unbothered? Uh, Okay. First of all, love this question. I already said I agree. So here's the thing. I agree with you. I think that it's ridiculous that people are so harsh on it. You know, I think the last episode, uh, last week and this week's episode, they kind of did touch on the fact that, like, you know, Ayan has a lot of queer friends. Uh, Caroline Brooks' best friend, who's a gay man, comes and visits with his husband. And they talk about that. They talk about the treatment of LGBTQ. And look, is any place, let me rephrase that. Do we think that there's a lot of places in the world that are not as liberal as the United States? Yes. But are there places in the world that are far more liberal and progressive than the United States? Of course. The the thing that frustrates me a lot, and this is definitely something I see more because I am a person who has multiple, you know, identities, I guess not identities, but because I have, have a very intersectional identity. I'm American. I'm, I come from a Pakistani background. I was born and raised in the Middle East. I'm Muslim. I'm very liberal. I have a lot of different thoughts about, I have a lot of different places where I fit in into the world. And so I do recognize that my perspective is sometimes one that not a lot of people share. I think what gets frustrating is when we make the United States the litmus test of what it means to be progressive. And that if it's, you know, if if the United States is progressive about some things and another country is not, then, you know, we shouldn't support that country. We shouldn't be giving that country a platform. We just learned on this episode last week that the UAE is only 50 years old. I mean, do you guys want to talk about what America was doing when it was 50 years old? (laughs) Even what America was doing 100 years ago at 150 years old? I don't think you guys want to go there, right? But it ends up being this idea that just because the United States has progressed and it's the year 2022, everybody should be up to speed. It's unfair. Much of the rest of the world was destroyed because of Western colonization, because of the Western powers. So now that these countries are now coming into their own and building and everything, you want it to be at the same level as this country, as our country, but there's so many places, there's so many things the United States that we're far behind on, right? Like 
we're literally watching freedoms get retracted in this country. So I think it was Ayan that said it last week or maybe this week, which was that the UAE is moving forward. The UAE is moving forward. And yes, there are many things that they could work on that they need to fix, but there's more progression happening there than in the United States where I feel like we are regressing. And that's the damn truth. And if you don't think that that's true, then I would ask you to talk to somebody who lives in a red state who recently had to try to get an abortion because they are trying, they're miscarrying their baby. Okay. How about that? Talk to them. Okay. Talk to women. Talk to talk to little gay kids and trans kids in Florida and Texas and wherever else. Talk to them and ask them if you think that this country is progressive. Talk to a Muslim person in middle America. Tell them how, how safe they feel. Talk to a black person in any city in the world. <laughs> but talk to a black person in any city in the United States and ask them how safe they feel. Talk to a a uh, Hispanic American who lives near the border near the border states in in the United States in the southern states talk to them ask them how safe they feel so do i think that the uae is problematic of course but guess what news to the world the the entire fucking world is problematic okay every single country is problematic but we don't have to boycott people who are trying to exist in those countries because they exist in those countries. It's it's illogical, it's unfair. It's like fucking san- sanctioning Iran, okay? It's as ridiculous as that. It's dumb because not all the people that exist in that country agree with what the government is doing. There are a million reasons to boycott and ban the United States, like this wonderful listener said. So those are my thoughts on that. I agree with you. Wonderful question. Thank you. If you'd like to ask a wonderful and thoughtful question like that, or even if it's personal, it's fine. Um, send us, uh, join us on the Patreon <laughs> at patreon.com slash the reality is pod. Uh, okay. But let's talk about last week's episode and this week's episode on the Real House of Dubai. I want to just jump right into the big meat and potatoes, right? Of course, we have fucking Caroline Stanberry's stupid ass wedding. I don't give a shit about it. The biggest thing, obviously, is this fight between Caroline Brooks and Sarah Almadani. I talked about my feelings about Sarah Almadani in the second episode recap. The first episode, I was like, I love her. She's so refreshing. Bah, bah, bah. But then I did an episode with my friend Maya Khan, and I talked about my issues with Sarah Almadani. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Everybody on this TV show is learning how to be on a on a television show. I think except for Lisa, who is just killing it. <laughs> and I think she used to, I didn't watch the show, but apparently she was on another reality t- TV show in the United States. And um, Kendrick from the Reality and Comics 2 podcast talks about it a lot. But she was previously on a reality TV show in her 20s before she got married and had kids and all that. Um, but she's been on a show and obviously Caroline Stanberry's been on the show. But... I feel like everybody else is learning how to be on reality TV. I think the only person who um, I think she's she's chaotically uh, refreshing, right? Chanel Leon is a chaos, but but she's refreshing. It's refreshing in, in her own way. But everybody else is kind of like you can tell that they're just learning how to be on camera. You can tell that they are learning what it means to be a TV star. It's not the same thing as being an influencer who gets to post their Instagram stories every once in a while and do a vlog. It's not the same thing, you know, but 
I think everybody is trying to figure that out. And I could tell right from the jump that Caroline Brooks is very aware of what being on this platform means. She had a very tailored version of herself, I think. And I think that we're watching her unravel. But I'm glad because I actually really like the Caroline Brooks that I'm starting to see. The Caroline Brooks I met in the first like few episodes, I didn't really care for her because it felt to me like she was trying to be phony, right? She was like, I'm a boss bitch and I have money and this and that. Those things can all be true. But let's really meet the real Caroline. Let's meet the real Caroline Brooks, who is a black woman trying to climb up the social ladders of the UAE. And while it is much easier for you to do that in the UAE than it is for you to do back home in Boston, it still comes with its own set of difficulties, especially as a divorced single woman. Let's let's just say it. So I think that Caroline Brooks, what we're watching, the way we're watching her unravel is specifically when it comes to one thing. It's her son. So what I gathered from the internet and what she's shared so far is that she was married to, I believe, a Muslim man in the UAE. I don't know if her husband was Emirati or some other type of uh, Middle Eastern, but you could tell that he was definitely not an American or a European. He was an Arab man or a Central Asian man or a South Asian man. I don't know. But it was a man with a lot of money. And when she divorced him, she says that she made sure that she all she would get out of the custody was her son. Now, I think what that means is also that her with her son comes a lot of the child. Uh, what is it? God, my brain's not working. Child support. So I think she got child support probably from this wealthy man. And I think she's in a fairly decent relationship with this man. But I think then whatever money she got or anything that she got to keep in her marriage or afterwards, she used that money to get her ahead. We saw her talk about the fact that she was in two long-term relationships. And when she got into those relationships, she said, anything that I get to, anything that uh, if if we, I think she said something like, if you cheat on me, then I get to keep things. I wouldn't be surprised if Caroline Brooks put in a contract of some sort with some of these men that she dated afterwards, right? And she says that her ex-boyfriend and her ex-husband maybe are the ones that are, her ex-fiance and her ex-boyfriend are the ones that are helping her put this spot together that she's trying to build. And my point in saying all this is Caroline Brooks is trying to do all these things for what? For stability, to be an independent woman. And now, is there something to say about being an independent woman who becomes independent through some means that come through a man? Sure, of course. But she seems to be doing it for her son, right? And so initially, in last week's episode, the initial conversation she started to have was boarding school, right? I think ultimately... She is a woman who did not have the things that her son can now get access to. And it's kind of like having new money, right? It's a similar thing, except it's new privilege. She's now getting to have access to things that only privileged people get to have access to in the United States. This woman has never had that access. And now her son gets to have that access. And she'll, she'll, Uh, Come hell or high water, she is going to get access to those things and she's going to make the most of it. So when she talks about boarding school and she knows how harsh it is, whatever, and Caroline Stanberry is trying to tell her that like boarding school traumatized her and all that stuff, 
I think Caroline Brooks gets it, but at the same time, if her son can get a leg up that he would have never gotten before, then let, let's do that. Caroline Brooks comes from a black Afro-Latina Caribbean family in Boston. In Boston. Like, you want to talk about growing up around racist? I mean, the Northeast, Boston's got a lot of issues. But it's Boston. So you know that she's seen her fair share of issues when it comes to being a black person existing in white society. So I think that now she gets to raise her son in a way where he doesn't have to worry about those things. And I don't blame her for trying to get access to those things. Right. So she talks about boarding school. And then a lot of people on the internet were like, oh, she's horrible to her help. I don't know if she's any worse. First of all, it's not her help. It's her employee, right? I don't think that she was any harsher with her employee than Caroline Stanberry's been or fucking Kathy Hilton or even uh, Kyle Richards or even Lisa Vanderpump. Just throwing a darling at the end of it doesn't change the way you're talking to the person or what you're trying to get them to do. I think people are a little harsh on Caroline Brooks because she went from being trying to be more polished and classy and quite honestly, a little thirsty to now she's kind of herself more and herself is maybe something that they're not used to. They're expecting something not low budget in the words of Mia, but they're getting somebody who's a little bit rough around the edges and maybe doesn't know how to be around people like this. And maybe this is access to new things. I'm not saying it makes the way she's talking okay, but I'm saying I understand that person. I understand that this person is getting used to having these things. And it, I understand that. And I think the biggest thing that she's still getting used to is being on camera, let's be honest. But they have this meal with Sarah Madani and... Caroline Brooks and her friends. And it here's what the problem is, okay? First of all, the way she was talking to her son, I didn't think it was a problem. She was trying to get her son to eat, pick up the fork and knife a certain way. And let's be honest, she's trying to do that more so because they're on camera. She wants to look like a certain kind of parent. She wants her son to look a certain way. She's very aware of the cameras. So she's pushing and pushing and pushing. But when she tells her son, okay, honey, you're done. Let's go upstairs. Why don't you go upstairs and go to bed? And I think she says Sarah, who is the person who her employee, will come and check on her. The issue I have here is Sarah Almadani takes that moment and says, why don't you go tuck him in? And then she says, I don't know anything about your son, right? Okay, listen, bitch. If you don't know anything about somebody's son, you need to shut the fuck up, okay? Sarah Almadani needs to shut the fuck up is the issue here. Okay, you never come into anybody's house and start preaching and giving them advice about what they should be doing with their children, especially. Okay, Sarah Madani is doing a whole bunch of projection. She was using her phony ass doctorate, honorary doctorate to give parental advice. Fuck you. I cannot stand this woman. I can't believe the the likability to hateability went real quick for me with Sarah Madani. I cannot stand her. She's awful. She's absolutely awful. And she keeps coming into spaces talking her Instagram post bullshit of kindness and love and all this. Let's be real. We haven't gotten to know anything about this woman. All we know is that she was married twice and I think she was engaged. So that's why her son said you were married three times. Let's be real. 
She's been married twice. She has a son. And all we know is that she's a serial entrepreneur. Okay. There's literally no new information that we've gathered from this woman that we can't get from her Instagram. And I can't stand that. That's boring as hell to me. Even that scene we had a couple of episodes ago where they went to her parents' house. We didn't learn anything new except for the fact that she comes from a lot of money and privilege. She's like 34 years old. And she has all this access to all this money and privilege. And she keeps talking about how she's a rebel because she gets to do these things. And she's breaking the bounds of what it means to be a Middle Eastern woman. No, you're not a rebel. You're rich. You're rich. That's why you get to do what you're doing. That's why you get to navigate these things. That's why how you think you should raise your son is very different than Caroline Brooks. You get to fall back on your rich father. Caroline Brooks does not have that. She's working on her own. But you, Sarah Omadani, get to go back home to your rich father and the multiple homes that you all own in the Middle East, okay? There's a big difference. There's a huge difference on what the fallback is for an Emirati woman with citizenship in the UAE when she does certain things versus Caroline Brooks, who is an expat, without a husband, and without a father to fall back on, a rich Emirati father to fall back on, what the consequences are of her life if or or how, how quickly she can lose the access to privilege that she has for her son is very different for her than it is for you, Sarah Almadani. And let's talk about Sarah Almadani, okay? So first of all, this whole conversation happens. I think the way that Brooks popped off on her, her best friend definitely was coming from a place of, you're my friend and you're supposed to be making me look good on camera and this is not helping. And two, nobody gets to talk about my son. And I think the friend was trying to be funny and it wasn't funny. And she got pissed off. And also three, let's be honest, everybody's drunk. Okay. I think everybody had been drinking. So that conversation happens. And then Caroline goes around and does her thing where she tells Lisa about Sarah's preachy shit. She tells uh, Nina about Sarah's preachy shit. And then Sarah Elmadani is somebody who talks about being so positive, but then sends a group text spreading that starts with, I heard you've been spreading bullshit and lies. That's not very positive, honey. That's not a, that's not, I don't think that's what a life coach would do. I don't think that's somebody who's a hypnotherapist would do. She talked in episode last week about, went to Ayan about how she goes to so much therapy. She's done therapy. She said, I've been done hypnotherapy, regular therapy. And this bitch said she did radiotherapy. Girl, radiotherapy is radiation that you get for like cancer treatment. The fuck were you getting radiotherapy for, you dumb bitch? I'm sorry. I can't stand this woman. And she's really boiling my blood. I cannot stand her. Another reason I can't stand her is because she's phony as hell. And then we haven't gotten to know anything about her. But this girl, like, was engaged to Michelle Marone, who I think is, like, an Italian actor. Like, he's an Italian erotic, he's, like, a softcore porn actor. She was engaged to him when he was married to another woman. We've never heard about that. We're hearing about how you've been selling trinkets since you were 14, but we don't know anything about your ex-husbands. We don't know anything about your ex-fiance. We don't know anything about your the father of your son. You want to know something about her ex-husband? Okay. Her second ex-husband was some dork from New Jersey. Okay. A Pakistani dork from New Jersey who I'm going to get more tea about <laughs> because somebody I know knows him. Someone I know had a hairstylist fly out to Dubai for their wedding. Okay. 
And the guy was a loser. So I don't want to hear about Sarah Madani sitting here talking about preaching and kindness and being such a worldly woman who's so well thought out and who's so rebellious. Get the fuck out of here, you phony ass. Get the fuck out of here. Okay? Like I said, with same thing with Anila if I'm married to medicine, when I see somebody who should be like, I would be like, oh, wow, that's somebody who looks like me who I should love. I'm having the exact opposite with Anila and I'm having the exact opposite with Sarah Madani. I don't look like her. Okay, She's gorgeous. I don't look like her. But I was like, oh, I'm a, a, you know, an outwardly Muslim woman who talks so much about being Muslim, whatever. She also makes an F, a, a, a point every time she's filming to be like, I will just have water. Look at my water. I only drink water. I'm always drinking water. Never anything but water for me. That tells me that this bitch drinks on the low. Okay. And that's fine. Everybody can drink. I don't care. Sometimes I drink. But her making an effort, it's very much a facade. So at the end of episode two of uh, the episode this week, when Caroline Brooks is like, we haven't seen the real star Almadani because that's not who this is. Who the fuck are you? And who the fuck is this? Her saying, what does culture have to do with generational cycles? That tells me you don't understand how generational cycles and generational trauma works. Caroline Brooks has no problem with the way that she was raised. And you don't have to sit there and start saying you can break the generational cycle of being militant. If Caroline Brooks doesn't have a problem with the way that she was raised, you don't have to sit there and psychoanalyze her and start projecting and telling her to break some cycles. What the hell? That just sounds like you know some buzzwords and you don't. You don't know what the hell it even means. You don't understand what culture has to do with generational cycles. Caroline Brooks was saying, that's my culture. I was raised in an Afro-Latina household and it worked for me and it works for my son. And so you sitting here and saying, break the cycle, that means you're telling her that the way that her culture, the way that her household is run is wrong, that her culture is a problem. If it's not a problem with her, you don't get to sit there and tell her to break the cycle, Okay. And like, she said to her, the, you need to be closer to her, to your son and the way you speak to him. If somebody ever told me to change the way I speak with my son, I would backhand them across the face. I would go to jail. I would go to jail. I would be in jail for somebody telling me how to be a parent. That is one thing, like even in therapy, <laughs> even when I'm in therapy, my doctor says, my therapist says that when I talk about myself as a mother and when I talk about myself as, as yeah, as a parent or when I talk about my kids, my entire demeanor ch- changes because that's one thing I'm very confident about in my life, right? I'm very chill about it. But if somebody came in and told me what I, how I should be with my child and it wasn't my husband, because, I mean, he's their father and he's my husband and it's okay. He gets to have a say, I guess. But if somebody did that, it's over for them. And it's over for me. Everybody's losing a parent. (laughs) You don't get to do that. Who are you? Who are you, Sarah, to sit here and do that shit? And on that topic also, this all got back, the the text message and that bullshit. First of all, the group text was so shady. And then she gets to the event and she's giving Caroline Brooks big hugs. What the fuck is this? You don't get to text me and say, stop spreading bullshit and lies and then give me a hug. Get the fuck out of here. And then Caroline Brooks getting mad at Nina and then Nina being like, I just have a lot going on in my life. So you can't do this to me. 
Girl, if you have a lot going on in your life, why do you have time to pick the phone up and talk shit about Caroline Brooks to Sarah? I get that Nina was trying to help, but it's like, if you are too busy with all the stuff that's going on with your father back home, which is valid, you should be too busy to pick up the phone and start talking shit and, and trying to get involved. Don't meddle. If you're too busy and you're too stressed out, you shouldn't have meddled in the first place. And now this is what you get. Now, do I think Caroline Brooks is acting a little bit crazy, a little unhinged? Sure. But like I said, if somebody talked to me about my parenting, I would also become very unhinged, despite the fact that it's one thing that I'm super duper confident in, right? I love being a mom. It's one of the best things I've ever done in my life. It's one of the easiest things I've ever done in my life but you don't get to come in and tell me what's right or wrong for my son, especially because I have a son who's been through a lot. So I think that's also Caroline's point. You don't know what I've been through with my son and to have my son for you to sit here and tell me what I should or shouldn't do for my son. You don't get to do that. Um, now, I will say apparently Caroline Brooks has been tweeting and deleting. And some of the tweets seem to, to point out that somebody on the show had to beg Sarah and Madani not to sue them because of the stuff that she was saying about them. Now, I don't know who that's about. The internet seems to think it's about Ayan. But why is Sarah Madani suing people? Aren't you about positivity? What are you trying to hide that you're trying to sue people? Hmm? What's that about? Um, now, this Stanberry wedding, like I said, I don't care about it. Okay? I don't care about... I don't care about uh, Caroline Stanberry's wedding. But what I do care about is the fact that uh, English people will be really showing their ass, okay? She's just, like, not interested in... I don't know what the deal is with this man. I just think... I think that Caroline loves the fact that there is, like, a little... Like, it's like a a little puppy. A little... A little... A little wind-up dog that she's gotten in this fiancé who's just ready to fuck her. And I'm not gonna lie. I'm not going to lie. If you've been married to the same person for a very long time, sometimes the sex gets a little boring. So then I don't, I understand the appeal of being married to somebody or being in a relationship with somebody who just thinks that you're amazing and wants to constantly have sex with you. I understand the appeal. And I think that that's the only thing that Caroline Stanberry finds appealing about this man, Sergio, because he is like a 13 year old boy he's a 13 year old boy he's a stunted 13 year old boy in a in a 26 year old man's body i don't know what that says about caroline stanberry because that kind of leads to a problematic area but i don't know why she's marrying him it's so weird it's so weird the parents meet her parents meet his parents and the english they really show their ass they're with their oh your english is good we're not even going to try to say your name there's just so much judgment from the English people. And I'm like, why do white people behave this way? Why are they like this? Why? Why is it like this? Caroline Stanberry is also annoying because in the previous episode, they talked about like she had a kind of makeup with Lisa. I'm still very confused about why she's mad at Lisa, but she has a makeup. And she says the thing about sucking Sergio's dick was about, um, oh, it's British humor. Now, the thing about her is that it's always British humor, which can be which she can use as an excuse for herself. The British get to hide behind their cold British exterior and their dry British humor, right? But everybody else, suddenly it's about etiquette, 
Okay. You told everybody to wear white at your stupid white party in the desert at 102 degrees. But when Chanel Ayan comes in, in not a veil, she keeps saying it's a veil. It's not a veil. She's just, somebody get her some glasses because she can't see. It's not a veil. It's a blonde wig. She's mad. She's mad that she wore a couture bodysuit with a big cape. You wore a dress with a, with, and she has a, what's it called? A train on her dress. I don't understand what the issue was. I don't know what she was trying to get at. But then she's like, oh, it's about etiquette. Well, okay. So now it's about etiquette because you as a white person, a rich, white, blonde, British lady get to decide when etiquette comes into play. But when you tell some your husband, you when you tell your friend, your your coworker, I guess you're going to be sucking my husband's dick or whatever it is she said. That's, oh, dry British humor. And that's the thing about white people. When they want, they get to change when rules apply. And Lisa, uh, Caroline Stanberry is very much a, an example of that, of I get to decide when it's British humor and I get to decide when it's silly and, and then I get to decide when we need to be proper and have etiquette. Get the fuck out of here. Sergio, when he sees Ayan, says, it's my day. <laughs> Girl, you're not even in a wedding dress. So what's the problem, Sergio? Why are you so salty? Uh, I just, I can't, I can't with these people. Oh, I have one more note about Sarah, Sarah being a doctor of an honorary PhD in women's women's empowerment and leadership. I'm sorry. What the fuck is that even? What the fuck is that even? What is it? What does that do? How does that make you a doctor? A doctor of radiotherapy, you dumbass? Oof. Guys, you should be watching rehearsals of Dubai. Honestly, you should. You should. Look how hopped up I am. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. <sighs> anyway, um, let's move on to rehearsals of Beverly Hills. Um, so the big things that happened on rehearsals of Beverly Hills uh, was everybody's getting COVID. Okay. Episode, I think last week's episode, it was uh, Rena's got the COVID and Erica's got the COVID. And then later on, Garcelle, yeah, Garcelle's got COVID. And then uh, Sutton gets COVID. Dorit gets COVID. Everybody's getting COVID. That happened. Um, but the thing that happened last week was Garcelle had this conversation with Erica at Sutton's luncheon, at Sutton's muddy lunch, about Erica and her, her inability to hold her booze. And what really frustrates me is I get what Kyle is doing. She's trying to make up for past sins, right? Of like alcoholism and addiction and all that stuff that had come up about her sister, right? But the thing is, one, it's too little too late. And also it's kind of offensive to your sister who you used as a storyline for how many years with her, with how she was an alcoholic. You use your sister in that way. But now suddenly you get to be like, no, we can't talk about people that way. You dragged your sister that way for years. And now suddenly with Erica, you're like, oh, it's wrong to talk about it. You know what's wrong? Mixing medication and booze. I know that this is a thing that happens and it's common, but just because it's common doesn't make it okay. Since Vanderpump rules, casual use of Adderall and probably pasta 
and booze is like, a, oh, it's just what they do. It's just what they do to pop off. Oh, it's why they get so black out. It's how they turn up. It's how they rally. It's not okay. There's a reason why some medication says do not drink while on this medication. You you don't get to, I mean, I know that people do it, but it's scary. And like, we wonder why we have people with so many addiction issues in this country. Because people casually do this shit all the time and it's not okay. And Garcelle telling them that she's worried about her mixing her meds with her booze. It, it's not out of the norm. It's a normal thing. And especially because she has a son who battled with his own addiction. I think it makes sense. I will say Erica took, <laughs> it cracks me up. When Erica is ready to talk like a proper lady, she always says, I will take full responsibility. Like she puts on this accent. It's hilarious. But Erica took, she took ownership. But Kyle's inability to see where Erica is wrong and turn it into something else is ridiculous. What I will say, what I love about Garcelle is that Garcelle is, what I got from this is Garcelle is playing the white woman's game. And I appreciate that. Garcelle's like, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to scream at you. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to mask something in care and concern while I make people question your uh, how trustworthy you are. It's kind, it's a kind of a gaslighting, right? But that's what Garcelle is doing. And I kind of appreciate it. It seems like Garcelle has been in Hollywood long enough to know that this is the stuff that sticks. If I yell and scream at this woman, I look like an angry black woman. And I look like a crazy person. And then they get to say, oh, look at that woman. She's so angry. Oof, you're so angry. But if I get to say, I'm concerned and worried... That's the way, you know, I feel like that's a Sutton thing to do. That's like a Sutton thing. Like it's, it's like a Southern nasty, nice thing to do. Just, I'm worried. I'm concerned about you. Are you sure everything is okay? And then people are like, oh, I don't know. Maybe something's not okay. It's kind of genius. And I, I, I like the fact that Garcelle gets to play that card because that's the game you guys play, right? In the world of fancy, rich, nasty, nice white ladies, that's the game. So let's play it. Um, now, the next thing that was a big uh, discussion here over the last week's episode and this week's episode was Sutton and Diana. <sighs> Sutton. I got to say this. First of all, that lunch was so frustrating, okay? Because what is Diana doing here? I will say this. I think Diana is so phony and she's so fake. That whole scene she had with her kids at home and all this stuff, was so fucking fake the whole thing was so fake she's like oh I love being home with my kids we love this house we love being in a house together everybody's together we love being together we love being together and then she facetimes her daughter Anaya in the UK and then she's like look who's here and she turns the phone and it's her son well bitch you just told everybody that you love when all your kids are together and you want your kids to stay in the house and your kid is sitting sitting there and saying, oh, I want to stay at home with my parents forever or whatever, all this stuff. Why would your daughter be surprised that her brother is in the house with her mom if you, if you guys are always together? Why would that be a surprise, Diana? It just, the whole thing was so put on. It was so fake. She calls her daughter and she's like, oh, so your dad is good. You've got a good dad, huh? Like it just very much felt like I need to make a scene to look like everybody is as they say, hunky-dory and happily together. There's so much shady shit about Diana that she is trying to mask with 
with some story. It honestly kind of reminds me a little bit of Sarah Almadani of being like, oh, you know, I had a hard life. I, it, like being sharing some choice things about yourself, but not sharing everything about yourself. So people think that you are opening up, but you're really not because you're not talking about the real dark shit. Okay. And I think that's the thing that bothers me about Diana. And like, even later on when she has this like Christmas party, like, listen, I know a lot of people are talking about Asher's sexuality and I'm not going to be one of those people to do it. Okay. I will not be a person who questions Asher's sexuality. I will only say that I understand why people keep questioning Asher's sexuality. And I, I understand why people question why they are together because I don't see the romance between them. I don't see there being like a, a loving, like, I don't, have I ever even, have we ever seen them kiss? Have we ever seen them hold hands? It just, he very much gives me her assistant energy. I feel like he's like Mikey and not in a way of like that he's gay, but just like he kind of seems more like her assistant than her partner. I just, I don't understand that relationship. Um, and I understand why people are questioning it. I don't think that he's gay, but I do think that they have a platonic understanding of some sort. I don't get any chemistry between, between the two of them. And I just feel like he's her assistant and that he wanted to have a baby and she wanted to have a baby. And so they had some baby, a baby together. That's what I get from that. Um, but going back to Sutton, okay. My point in saying all this is that Diana is phony. I don't think there's anything like likable about her. I think she's weird. That being said, in the situation of Sutton and Diana, Sutton, what is your problem? Why are you even bothering with Diana? I don't understand what Sutton is doing here. Like, even if we go back to Garcelle's party, Sutton saying, I was coming over because I was concerned about you. It is fake shit. It is true that that's fake shit. That is fake. What's not, what what isn't fake is what she should have said, which is, hey, Sutton, it's to Sutton should have said to Diana, Diana, what did I do to you? Is everything okay? Because I feel like you got really mad at me on the plane and you snapped at me on the plane. Are you okay? Is everything okay? What are you mad at me about? Because you, I said sorry to you for yelling at you and I feel like you're still mad at me about that. That is what Sutton should have said. But instead, she had a whole bunch of other random shit where she was like, oh, so you're supposed to be on bed dress. That's confusing. And then changing that to, I'm concerned about you being, why you aren't on bed rest. That's not the same thing. So if she sat down with Diana and she said that shit to Diana, at that point, Diana decided Sutton is phony and I'm not dealing with her shit. I'm not dealing with this woman twist around words and turn them into something else. I'm not going to listen to her. And I don't think anything she's saying is genuine. Now, what happened with Sutton is I think she realized that she came off bitchy. So then she tried to course correct mid-conversation, talk about her own miscarriages. Then this woman who she's already pissed off mocks her. Sutton dramatically cries for good reason. If somebody mocked my miscarriages, I'd be crying too. But I think Sutton is also crying because she knows she looks stupid. She's crying so hard that she's <laughs> gathering the tears on her face and flicking them away, which is so funny. It was one of the, honestly... Next time I fight with my husband and I start crying, that's what I'm going to do. Because it's so dramatic. It's so ridiculous. It is dramatic. I think Sutton at that point had every reason, right? Because now this woman is mocking her miscarriage. She realizes that she looks stupid. Kyle is beating her up. Sutton realized that the producers made her look dumb. She tried to go and be a bitchy Betty and it didn't work. 
it didn't work because it's not who Sun is. Sun, you don't have to be bitchy to talk to people like that. You don't have to do that. You could have very well just gone and sat to Di- sat and talked to Diana. And Diana does enough shit to make her look stupid on her own. I think Sutton realized all those things. And that's why she was crying. But I don't know why Sutton keeps trying to make things nice with Diana. You don't like her. That's fine. You don't have to like her. And I think that's what Garcelle is saying. Garcelle's like... I don't understand what the point is. I don't know why you're bothering with her. There's no, there's no, you're not going to get anything good out of being at this dinner with Diana. But Sutton wants to be liked. She does. She doesn't like the knowing that people don't like her. She doesn't like the fact that Diana is probably going around telling people like Dorit that I had to exfoliate my skin because this woman disgusts me. I understand why Diana is pissed. I understand that part of why Diana is pissed from the conversation at Garcelle's. I understand that. What I don't understand is why Diana is still mad at Sutton for kind of screaming at her in Mexico. If you said she said sorry and that was it. It, Then Kaya later on being like Sutton tends to make everything about herself is like the joke of the century. Everyone on this show makes everything about themselves. Dorit made it about herself when Crystal said, I don't feel like this is a safe space for me. She made it about her burglary. Are you kidding me? That's the whole thing. You're all you're all narcissists and you are constantly making things about yourselves. Kyle, you do it the most. Remember when LVP said, where were you? I had so much going on. I've been, you know, I just came back from London. My brother died, blah, blah, blah. And Kyle has the audacity to say something like, yeah, well, I have a lot going on too. Kyle is the biggest one-upper. She's One, she's always making it about herself. Two, she's not listening. In this episode, the second second episode, when later on after the Jamie Lee Curtis lunch, where instead of your hand and mine, the charity should be called Dorit's face up my butt. That's what it should be called. But after that lunch, when Diana and Sutton are sitting and talking, and it's basically a misunderstanding between the two of them, sort of. But Diana says, you know, I've been going through a lot. Shit was really going on. I was a mess. I shouldn't have gone to Mexico. I've been kind of rude to everybody. I've been acting a way that I, but I'm just doing the best I can. First of all, she doesn't really take any accountability because she's like, maybe I was rude. No, bitch, you were rude. You were angry and you were rude and you need to take accountability and you're not. But she says, I'm doing the best that I can. Fine. But Kyle says, I thought it was a long time ago. Didn't we just have a couple of episodes ago where Diana visits Kyle and she sits and tells Kyle all the details of her miscarriage? And she goes into great detail about all the stuff that happened and how long ago it happened. And Kyle is like, I thought it was a long time ago. Well, again, Kyle, you don't listen. This is Nanny K all over again. Kyle doesn't listen. And she always makes it about herself. And what's great is like, there's 12 years of footage that proves this, but Kyle has not evolved at all. And she's only gotten nervous and she does her weird lizard lick. And then Diana's bringing her lizard licks. Ridiculous. Uh, anyway, where Kyle does make it about herself, even on this episode, is Crystal's eating disorder. So Crystal shares her eating disorder. And I've talked about my own eating disorder uh, when we were covering New Jersey, when it came to Jackie. And I think one of the things that Crystal brings up is such a good point, which is that, you know, she has this eating disorder and a lot of it is being Asian and being not, you're not just the tallest kid in the room, but you look different and all that. And I think as a, as a small brown immigrant kid who was literally called a potato, cause that's what I look like to them. I 
that fed so much into my eating disorder. And I still struggle with my eating disorder. So much of what Crystal is saying about like constantly thinking about food and constantly thinking about your body, it is exhausting because I'm constantly thinking about those things. My mood and how I even feel about people around me. Like I love the people around me still, but me even being around people that I love can sometimes change based on how I feel about myself. Sometimes when I don't feel good about my body, I get so, I, it's going to get a little bit sad. There are times when I feel, and I think right now is one of those times, there's times when I feel not good about my own body to the point where I don't even feel like I'm worthy enough to be around my kids or my, my husband which is really sad. Ooh, I did not expect to say that out loud, but that's really sad. And a lot of that is what Crystal is kind of trying to tap into, right? Is to say, I'm tired of thinking about food. I'm tired of thinking about my eating disorder. I'm tired of thinking about my body. It's exhausting. The holidays are especially really hard. It's really difficult. And she talks about how being Asian and looking differently than other people kind of fed into that. I think for me, that was a big thing too. You know, people often, the picture of of an eating disorder is a skinny white girl, right? Like that's what everybody views as an anorexic white girl is your eating disorder. But people don't realize that in America, especially the way that bodies are scrutinized and the way that uh, the beauty standard is of a, you know, a white woman, a thin, tall white woman, it really feeds into a lot of body image issues, a lot of body dysmorphia for people of color. But not just that, if you think about diets and food, a non, non-Western foods are considered unhealthy, Right. Um, rice, rice is, you know, villainized nowadays and rice is such an essential part of South Asian food. It's such an essential part of Asian food. It's an essential part of, uh, Latin American food. It's, it's a really normal food that most of the rest of the world eats, especially poor people. We eat rice and I grew up being told that the foods that my family was eating were not good for me, that I was too fat and too ugly to even eat the rice that my mom makes. Oh my God. (laughs) That's really sad. Isn't that so sad? And so a lot of, a lot of, it's not just about diet culture or the standard of beauty, making you feel like you're your body isn't good enough or your face isn't good enough and you don't meet the beauty standards and you're ugly and you shouldn't like yourself the way that you look and you need to be thinner. But it's also the fact that the food, the culture that I come from, I was, I was made to believe that the foods that my culture has are the foods that are going to keep me from meeting that unrealistic Western beauty standard. That's fucked up. So it's hard enough to be a a little brown kid, a little immigrant kid in the world, in, in the Western world, and especially in America. It's hard enough to be that. But then on top of that, you go home, which is your safe space, and now you've been told that your home, 
and the culture that you have and the foods that you have are not good for you. Can you imagine the uh, identity issues you end up having as a person who grew up with that? A lot. And you end up, it ends up leading to a lot of body image issues. It ends up leading to a lot of disordered eating. And it ends up leading to a lot of self-loathing. And like I've talked, um, and I'm actually going to release the episode that I did. Uh, we did a deep dive on Miss Marvel with um, Kendrick from Reality and Comics 2 and my brother. And I've been talking about Miss Marvel on the Patreon. But, you know, watching Miss Marvel, it meant a lot to me because, because it was the first time that I saw a girl who, ha- who looked like me when I was 15. And, and she was, and I was watching Miss Marvel and I was thinking she's beautiful and she's wonderful. And how, how meaningful it would have been for me to see that when I was a little kid, right? Because when I was a little kid, I never got that. And when I was a little kid, I was made to feel like everything that I came from was a problem. It wasn't acceptable. And I needed to figure out a way to undo it. And so a lot of that stuff fed into my eating disorder and a lot of that stuff still feeds into my you don't ever stop having really an eating disorder you never stop having body dysmorphia or body image issues and I still struggle with that now and I've I've done great this year with it but it's still something that I struggle with constantly all the time so later on at this party when everyone's there and everyone's looking fabulous and fucking Garcelle 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 says, you look thin. And Crystal's like, ugh, I'm not. And then Garcelle says, just say thank you. I was like, the fuck are you doing, Garcelle? That doesn't help. Like, we see two extremes. You see one of Erica being like, girl, give me a tutorial of, let me let me give you a tutorial of my eating disorder. Let me give you, why don't you tell me tips and let's trade information. Take laxatives instead of throwing up. That's bulimia, Okay. She's encouraging the bulimia. She's encouraging the eating disorder. She's encouraging Crystal's body food issues where she screams at her and says, you can't eat a chicken tender. That's a problem. And then the other end, you have Garcelle, who is like constantly telling Crystal, you shouldn't feel that way about yourself. You're beautiful and thin. You look thin. You should say thank you. Be grateful that somebody thinks you're beautiful. No, no, neither of those things are good. They're both extremely problematic. Let's just stop commenting on each other's bodies. Comment on how beautiful she looks. Tell her that she looks strong. Tell her that she looks healthy. Tell her she looks happy. Tell her you want to see her looking happy. Don't tell her that you want her to be thin. Don't tell her she should be grateful that she's thin. There's Real Houses of Beverly Hills is so ridiculous because Kyle's sitting there and she says like, oh, you know, Crystal posting about it on social media sounds like a cry for help. And I've told my daughters how, you know, uh, how they should love themselves and all that stuff. And I've talked to my daughters about their own issues. Kyle, we've watched you for 12 seasons say, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. Oh my God, look at my body. I feel gross. Let me put a muumuu on. We've, we've watched you talk about your own body for years. And we've watched you change your body. Rina and... Erica constantly talk to each other about how thin they are. We had that bizarre scene where they both where they pat each other on the back for having their once a year hot dog that Rena is eating without a bun. Okay, these people are ridiculous. To sit here and talk like 
Crystal's the only person who's who's asking for a cry for help. This entire show is a cry for help. Your entire industry is a cry for help. Are you kidding me? I can't. I cannot. Okay. We also got Kathy Hilton on this episode. Okay, Kathy finally joined. She was eating baked potatoes with caviar in her PJs and sunglasses. And it was just a, such a weird conversation. I mean, Kathy was one story away from basically saying people don't want to work anymore. Like Kyle. Like him fucking Kardashian, okay? I don't know what to make of Kathy being there. I don't want to know what to make of any of that, but it is what it is. I guess we got the mid-season trailer, which is basically based around Kathy and all of that stuff. Ugh, I don't know. All this stuff in Aspen. Let's see how that goes, but <sighs> Beverly Hills, you know, I will say one thing is um, Beverly Hills is frustrating, but the last two episodes were less frustrating because everybody was, everybody was wrong. Everybody was a little bit wrong. And I like that when everybody is a little bit wrong. That's why, like, I love Atlanta. That's why I love Potomac. It's more fun when everybody's just a little bit wrong. I mean, Beverly Hills, what gets frustrating is that you have primarily four people who are super duper wrong. But it's nice when everybody's a little bit wrong. You know, you spread out the hateration a little bit. But that's it for today. Um, I'll be back on Wednesday to talk about Married to Medicine and Real Housewives of Atlanta. And I will also be posting our Marvel episode, talking about Miss Marvel with Kendrick from Reality and Comics 2 uh, for tomorrow. So that's Monday. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, again, uh, send me messages, send me a voice note, all that stuff. I always listen and uh, I'll talk to you next time. The reality is, is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Chastity Davis. Don't be fooled by my name. The only thing I abstain from is your bullshit. Jessica Riley. Where I come from, money can buy you anything, but I'll take the garbage plate. Seiran Hayati. In Sweden, we have ABBA, IKEA, and if you mess with me, some other four-letter words. Kelly Payfer. I may be from down under, but don't ever underestimate me. Richie D. If you can't be cool, you can't be with Caduce. Megan Shaw. I may be a model but I'll never be your model minority. Becca Simon. It gets icy where I'm from, so you know I'll bring the heat. Jill Hirsch. Your petty drama can't take this warrior down. Jamie Allrunner. Where I come from, we're known for our great lakes, but I'm just known for my great ass. Sarah Gibbs. You may not like the cut of my jib, but that's what you get from Sarah Gibbs. Maria M. Where I'm from, they sing God Save the Queen, so I guess you can call me a god. Jill Walsh. I made it up this hill myself, and I'll kick any jack off. Jesse Willis. I may not run in traffic, but I'll give you a run for your money. Eleanor Manning. I run with a fabulous circle of people, and they're not even on my payroll. John Friedman. Diamonds aren't a girl's best friend. John Friedman is. Sarah Watkins Bilstein. Playtime is over. This mama means business. Laura Zielinski. Whether it's breast pumping or fist pumping, this Jersey girl brings the party. Amanda Agosti. Everything is bigger in Texas and my heart is no exception. Tracy Masters. When you're the master of your own destiny, no one can ever take you down. Marl Farsi. Reading is fundamental and in Farsi, the reads are monumental. Tracy Newman. My presence is a gift, so remember the thank you note. Lola Del Rio. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets and I get it all. Adade Adidoko. In 
may look like I'm stirring the pot, but I'm actually just smoking Deepa Canapoli. Some people say I have secrets, but at least they're not federal indictments. Jada, people are intimidated by my great success and my great ass. Naveen Jonathan, I'll give you the shirt off my back and also my unsolicited opinion. Adil Ibrahim, some things are too hot to handle, like me and the tea I spill. Trinity Subramaniam, I have four degrees and eight syllables and zero fucks to give. Beth Bayer, the secret to my success is staying out of your BS. Shannon Anthony, there's no fun in moderation, but there's plenty of shade. Rita Ryan, don't be fooled by my Midwest charm, because I'm nobody's fool. Brianna Tony, some people strive for perfection, but I'm already there. And lastly, Tanisha, while others are turning tables, I'm dancing on them. <laughs>